Welcome to Reinvision, the podcast where we embrace change as one of life's most profound rhythms. I'm your host, Maria Bedard, and change is my playground. Curiosity is the signature vibe. Joy, love, magic, and freedom are the frequencies I move with. Courage is the embodied state, and duality is my jam. I love to reveal light and darkness, permanence and impermanence, equanimity and chaos, oneness and distinctedness. Here we have full permission to be ourselves, to explore, to dream, to discover. We'll tap into the wisdom that has always been within as we navigate change with simplicity, lightness and fluidity, open to new understandings, new perspectives and even greater potentialities. So whether you're seeking inspiration, empowerment or simply a space to reflect and contemplate, you're in the right place. Let's get started. You know what? I was actually, I was rewatching like your, your interview with, well, your, your video interview with the, with Julia. And, uh, I was like, I, I was just like reflecting upon time, like all the time that has passed, you know, like together and like this image of you with your pink hair was like <laughs> so dear to my heart. Oh, and I was like, I was doing the the story this morning with your like bio picture. And I was like, but it's so different. <laughs> I know. I know. I, you know, I feel like as I get older, I'm willing to allow myself to express myself in ways that are okay with me, you know? And so when I decide to do something a little crazy, I give myself permission to do it. You know, it's like, you know, I'm not thinking really about, you know, how the world is going to perceive it so much as really just like, this is something fun for me and something that I enjoy, you know, because I love color. And so, you know, go with it, go with it, you know. Absolutely. I love it. And and I love that you're, that you're, you know, kind of setting the tone here of the conversation I want to have with you which is so much about really finding the path that serves us, that that nourishes us, that supports us, that really helps us to un, like unravel and reveal all these colors and all these facets and all this beautiful glitter that we have inside of us that we're, we're hiding from the world. But like, if there's a time where this world needs all the glitter, this is the time. <laughs> Yeah, I think that actually you're touching on something so important. The world is suffering and there are 
you know, there are choices that we have and we can continue to take all that pain and, and really actual like crisis into our bodies and get sicker. But, you know, you have to reverse the process. So it has to start in here, the calmness, the quietness, the groundedness, the confidence, the clarity. It has to start here. The peace has to be here because if we take out that chaos into us, we're goners, you know? I mean, we're, we're, we become that which we hate. You know, we become the war that is the world. And, you know, we, it has to start from within and, and go out because people are affected by how we treat them and how we show up in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and for me, you know, this is a conversation that I have often. We cannot think that we can resolve conflict outside if we cannot attend to the conflict within. And if we cannot find peace and if we cannot find spaces that are calming our nervous system like you say like we're we're doomed we're you know and but we're we, not we, gonna let that happen we become more of the problem we become yeah. a manifestation we become you know we replicate we become the mirror of that which we see and you know it takes strength to not you know go there it really does it's yes. very easy to get reactive and i do sometimes you know there are things that happen in the world that are just very triggering. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, that's where the tapping and that's where being in touch with yourself becomes really important. It becomes the gold. It becomes your gold standard of where you need to go when there is crisis and where you need to go when there is, you know, a huge amount of emotional influx that has like a negative Ambra, you know, and being able to find your center and ground again is just so key because everyone is, you know, reacting, reacting, reacting. That's how the atom bomb is devised, right? It's just an explosion of a lot of atoms and we have to bring it down. I think that just as women and like as human beings who are receptors of what is happening around us, we have to not, we have to find those tools inside of us that can ground us and not feel that we have to react, you know? And that's what, you know, I'm so glad you're doing this podcast because I think that from what I can tell of everything you're saying and doing that, that's what this is about, you know? And that, you know, this is, this is our challenge as human beings, as women, as women who are really seeking a deeper meaning in life and seek, seeking the truth for ourselves and ways to navigate the world, you know, that are winning, where we get to win, where we get to find the abundance, where we get to find the clarity and the peace, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And when you say winning, it's a, it's a, it's not a zero sum game winning. It's, it's, we're all winning because we're all stepping into that, that that truth and we're all stepping forward and this is what this is one of the pieces that I wanted to talk to you in this is this conversation but before we dig into this I think that you have prepared something amazing and I am so grateful myself for you to offer this tapping session and for the listeners I will 
I will put this as a separate file that you can actually go in the show notes and you're going to be able to access and download the audio and, and have access to the video on YouTube. For the listeners, go on the, sh uh, the, the show notes and you're going to be able to, for lack of a better word, tap into that tapping yeah. session. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Because I have recorded different tapping sessions, you know, and that is the thing about tapping, right? It's not a pill. It's not a one-time fix. It's a behavioral pattern. So it's something that we have to practice. It's a practice like meditation is a practice. It's a practice like reminding yourself to do calming, grounding things. It's a practice that means that every day when we wake up, we're different. And our minds and our brains can go crazy and go into places that we may or may not want to go. So it's good to have these tools that we can refer back to that will remind us again of that place of peace. Because, you know, we, we can't fix ourselves in one tapping. And I, I will definitely say that to your audience, you know, things come up again and that, you know, voice will come up again. And that's, that's who we are as human beings. We, we need to accept that, we need to embrace that. That's not going to change. No, it's not going to change. I love that you're, and, and I want you to explain a tapping, like what, so emotional freedom tapping, what it is. But before we, what I find interesting is that it's not a quick fix, right? And it's also like, I actually think of those tools like flossing for the soul. Like it's, it, it's things that you, you do to stay centered, stay grounded, but also to come prevent some sort of unraveling like it's you know like for me it's it's kind of like it's really the best images that I that I can give people is it's like flossing for the soul just like we're doing eccentrics because you know like it's it's flossing for the bodies for a fascia for or or joint you know like it's the same kind of upkeep of our being in right. the place that we want to that we want to continue to grow so it is not it's not the destination. It's it it's on the path. It's it. It's the journey. You on the path. It's, it's the, the journey. journey. Exactly. Yeah. So explain yeah. to the listener what is tapping. Tapping is or emotional freedom technique is a way, just like acupressure and acupuncture, of excuse the metaphor, but tapping into meridian points of the body. Now these are this is nothing new, even though. People often look at tapping as a kind of new woo-woo thing. It's actually a long history of Chinese medicine that goes back to looking at chakras, looking at different chakra points in our body that have energy meridians. And this is not something that is a brand new idea, as I said. It's something that comes from understanding where the energy parts of our body really resonate and by tapping on them, just like in Chinese medicine, when in acupuncture and acupressure, you are releasing the stress that builds up in those energy chakras, right? So what happens when you actually tap on these points is that you're lowering the cortisol or the stress hormone in the body. Now that is really phenomenal. 
that we can without a pill, without you know spending tons of money, but just with the equipment that we have, our hands and our body and our brain, we can change the stress hormone and the level of anxiety in our body, calming ourselves down and being able to be in a place that is more responsive and less reactive. So tapping brings you to a place where you're not feeling so emotionally charged. You're able to breathe and come from a place that's probably more true to who you really are. So as a practice, as a as something that one can do on a regular basis, and I actually recommend doing it every day, it's an easy fix. It's an easy way to calm yourself. And it's actually pretty quick. So yeah, I mean, I think I've since I've been doing it, I've learned so much to come back into myself, to, to come back to a voice of clarity, particularly when we get really upset particularly when we get really anxious, particularly when we get really angry, particularly when we get really angry at ourselves or depressed and blame it on ourselves. And I think tapping, what tapping can do among the many, many things that it can offer you is it can bring you to a place of clarity so that you're not, and particularly with today's topic, blaming yourself for things that are just the way things are and understanding how to accept that and that it's okay that I love it that we're having it I love that you also used the word responsive instead of reactive there's really a difference and a big difference between the two because one is because both of them are re-engaging again with something that came our way but one comes with much more alignment with her, with her beings and the output that we want to see in the world, as opposed to the other one that is just, that is tapping into fight flight, you know, like those, those very places where, uh, where we just, we just look at things that escalate all the time. So I yeah, love this. And the, you know, the, one of the stories they always tell in tapping is about fight and flight and why do we as human beings have it? And the history of that is really as cavemen, as primitive people, which is in the big scale of the universe, not that long ago. We were out there surviving and you didn't know if a tiger or a bear or some other kind of animal was going to attack you. And the human being developed a response mechanism that was fight or flight. And what happens when your adrenaline pumps up, you get all the blood from your brain releases and it goes to your muscles so that you can fight or fight. <laughs> that came from, you know, sort of being primitive culture where your life was always a survival issue. You didn't know what was behind that bush. And the human body developed this mechanism to put all of your energy in your muscles so that you could react, that you could survive, that you could beat that, you know, that bear, that tiger, that you could run as fast as you can, or possibly freeze, which is a kind of a place that people go in, in high anxiety. We have kept that mechanism of fight, flight, or freeze in our bodies since primitive times. 
And that is what we have sort of inherited as, a, as modern human beings. So we actually have an ancient system that is in our modern bodies. And tapping is a way to change that chemistry. So when we have all the stress hormones activated, we don't think well. We can act quickly, you know, we could fight, we can react, and we do that. And we see this, look at the news, you know, and you see everyone is so is so in fight and flight. In fact, many people live their entire lives in fight and flight, and they're not aware of it. They're we've all seen these people, or maybe we are one of them, where we are in such a state of stress that everything has to get done quickly. We need to react and move quickly. We need to take these aggressive actions. Maybe it's as the head of a corporation that just feels like they have to be the best. And they're always on this reactive mode. Now that does work in a certain context, but when it comes to finding peace, clarity, and getting in touch with who yourself, who you are as a human being, as a person who has empathy and kindness and strength, it's the it's the worst thing one could do because it keeps you really out of touch, you know, with who you really are, makes you very active and it feels good. And people sometimes feel like they need to be in that state in order to be effective as a human being or as whatever it is that they want to accomplish in the world, but they're, they're really neglecting a very important part of who they are as people, which is, you know, finding their, their inner soul, like who, who they are and why they're here. They don't get a chance to find that out when the cortisol level is singing melodies all around their, their body and their brain, you know? Yeah, well, it, it, uh, for for sure, and that mechanism was made to be reactive in a short period of time. But our modern society keeps us because the brain doesn't doesn't do the difference between a real threat bear and a boss that's about to walk into your office and you know give you some sort of grief or something. And in our societies, we're we're short circuiting that that cycle that it's supposed to go down and up and down and up and have like longer time in between. So we can actually recuperate, but we never have that that recovery part. We 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 always are on the high, 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 high. So I'm gonna let you lead us. I have I'm so glad because you suggested a few ones that were all amazing. This one I chose because I think that there's a lot of listeners out there that are gonna benefit a lot from this, especially women, like you were mentioning, that little tyrant that we have in our mind that you know like some people I had a, a I guess a several weeks ago and she 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 named that that voice in her head and I, we decided to do quieting the critical voice and I'm gonna we're gonna record this and we're gonna we're gonna make it available and then we're gonna come back into our conversation great Diane Lead them. All right. So this is a meditation that I've done before, and I find it very effective. So just follow along with me. I know that we can feel very frustrated and sabotaged by a nagging critical voice that's inside of us. And maybe we're beating ourselves up 
about something we said or we did, or maybe you do this on a regular basis, and that critical voice has a long-term lease on your brain. It's hard to feel confident and safe when you feel that critical thought that's judging every step that you take. How can we replace that critical voice with one that has more love and compassion for ourselves? The more that we do this tapping, the easier it will be to release this critical voice. And the goal is to not ever have that critical voice, but to not let these thoughts control you. Remember, you don't need to believe every thought that you think. And by releasing stress and feeling calmness, you can quiet that critical voice and think clearly. What is your critical voice saying to you? Is it something specific like you're not confident enough or you're not good enough or you're not pretty enough? Or do you find yourself criticizing everything that you do? When you think of your critical voice and how it shows up in your life, notice the sensations in your body. And I'm going to ask you all to do this now is to just notice when you think of some of the things that you've said to yourself, what, where do you feel it? Do you feel a tightness in your chest or in your stomach or in your throat? And are you feeling anxiety? or frustration with yourself. If you can, for this tapping, pick one emotion that you're feeling, you know, anxiety or frustration are probably in there. Maybe just the more specific you can be as you tap, it can be a little bit more effective. So if you can identify one emotion, that's great. For me, it's anxiety and I'd like you to notice what comes up for you as you experience this feeling of what it feels like when you have this critical thinking. And I'd like you to actually measure it on a scale of zero to 10. So zero being you're not feeling any anxiety or you're not feeling any frustration and 10 being this critical voice makes you crazy with anxiety or crazy with frustration. And just, I'd like you to maybe write it down and just, you know, make a note of it for later on. The other thing I'd like to do is before we get started is to like clarify what the tapping points are. So I'm not sure if, you know, your listeners know all this, but let's just go through this. So we start out on the, what we call the karate chop point, which is the side of the hand. Okay. Then we will go to the eyebrow, which is the inside of the eyebrow right here. You'll feel it on the bone. And then side of the eye is stay, stay on that bone. You can feel it right on the side of your eyeball, right? And then the bone under your eye, under your nose, under your mouth or on the chin, and then on the collarbone. So the collarbone, you know, is this bone right here. So just on the inner, the inner part of it, 
under your arm. Now the part under the arm is kind of like for women where your bra strap would be. So it's not like in the arm, but it's actually about an inch or two below the armpit. So it's right there. And then we will go to the top of the head. Okay. Now you can do this with one hand or you can do it with two hands. That's, you know, totally your choice. Okay. So before we start, I'd like to begin with a little groundings. Um, I'm going to ask everyone to please place your feet on the floor. If you're barefoot, all the better. If you have shoes on and you want to take them off, great. If you have socks on, that's okay. I want you to feel your feet on the ground. And let's, we're going to take like three breaths, three deep grounding breaths. So for the first one, I actually want you to put your hands on the rib cage. And as we breathe in, I want you to think, this is actually something we just learned, but I want you to think of an umbrella. That image is, is a new one of as you're breathing in that your ribs are expanding like an umbrella. So let's just you can close your eyes or keep them open. Let's take a nice breath in and breathe in and expand your ribs like an umbrella, the front and the back of your ribs. And as you exhale and you breathe out, you're going to let your diaphragm descend and your pelvic floor descends. And we're going to do that again. So again, you can make a sound on the exhale and think of your diaphragm and your pelvic floor relaxing down on the inhale. On the exhale, you're going to let the diaphragm come back up again. So we're going to breathe in. Diaphragm and pelvic floor lower and exhale. Everything comes back into center. And one more time, your deepest breath now. Breathing in, expanding the rib cage. And breathing out. Tightening back to center, relaxing the bottom of your feet. I want you to really think of your feet as flowing into the floor and, and understand that if even if you're on the 25th floor of a building, that underneath that and underneath those floors is the ground and that we're just connecting our feet to the earth, okay? So we're going to start with the negative voice. And that's what tapping does is we acknowledge the voice that's there in order to release it. And we want to bring it in eventually to a more positive voice. So we're going to start, we're going to start tapping on the karate point. So just tapping and you're going to repeat after me and you can repeat it out loud or in your mind. So even though this critical voice is so loud, I choose to relax and feel safe now. Even though I'm always beating myself up about something, I love and accept myself anyway. Keep tapping on the side of your hand. Even though I'm so frustrated by this voice, I choose to respond to it with compassion and understanding. Even though I'm often very hard on myself, I accept and forgive myself. 
We're giving voice now to how you feel so we can lower the intensity. So now we're going to go to the eyebrow point. This critical voice is so frustrating. And you can just repeat after me. It never stops talking to me. Under the eye. I'm always beating myself up about something. Under the nose. And then I beat myself up about beating myself up. Under the mouth. Why do I constantly beat myself up? On the collarbone, why am I so hard on myself? Under the arm, either one or both. You can do both if you want. It's exhausting to be so critical of myself. Top of the head. I'm open to ways that I can change this pattern. Maybe I can take a deep breath and let some of this go. So let's just take a breath in and breathe out. And let's go to the eyebrow point. I'm really hard on myself. Side of the eye, and I criticize myself harshly. Under the eye, I feel this self-doubt under the nose. I'm afraid I'm not enough. Under the mouth, I'm afraid I won't succeed. Collarbone, I compare myself to others. Under the arm, and I tell myself I'm not good enough. Top of the head, it's safe for me now to acknowledge the ways I've been judging myself. Eyebrow, part of me wants to be less self-critical. Side of the eye, and another part of me doesn't. Under the eye, that part of me believes that if I criticize myself enough, under the nose, Maybe I can save myself from being criticized by others. Under the mouth, if I'm hard on myself, collarbone, maybe I can avoid making other mistakes. Under the arm, my critical voice has been trying to keep me safe. Top of the head, but I now acknowledge the ways it's been holding me back. Eyebrow. Maybe we can begin to quiet this critical voice. Side of the eye. Maybe the voice can lessen. Under the eye, all of it's nagging. Under the nose, I'm so tired of beating myself up. Under the mouth, and I'm open to a new solution. Collarbone. What if I could forgive myself for not being perfect? Under the arm, 
what if I could let go of all this self-judgment? Top of the head and see myself in my actions with love and compassion. Eyebrow. I choose, even if it's just for a minute, side of the eye to shower myself with love and compassion under the eye to acknowledge that I'm doing the best that I can under the nose and I'm not perfect under the mouth and I never will be collarbone and neither is anyone else under the arm and that's okay I'm releasing this old pattern of criticism now. So now I want you to just listen to my words and stay present with your thoughts and feelings. Maybe you can close your eyes and think about speaking to someone you love, maybe a partner or a child, and imagine talking to them the way you talk to yourself. Would that person be able to thrive under that harsh criticism? Think about some of the things that you say to yourself. Not good enough not ready enough, not smart enough. Would that person have the confidence and clarity they desire when they're constantly being told that they're not good enough? So I want us to continue tapping now. We're going to go to the eyebrow point. But again, for this round, I just want you to take the words in as you're tapping. If, you, if closing your eyes feels better, then you know certainly feel free to do that. I'll keep directing you on where we're tapping. So on the eyebrow, we often talk to ourselves in a way that we would never talk to someone else. We're often harder on ourselves than anyone else. And we're beginning to realize that all of this pushing and all of this self-criticism isn't moving us forward. Side of the eye. As we begin to hear our negative voice, it may begin to lose its strength under the eye, but you've been criticizing yourself for so long, it feels hard to break the pattern. And that's okay. And it's okay to have a critical thought. We can relax our bodies and notice our critical thoughts. Just because you have a thought though, it doesn't mean you need to believe it. It doesn't mean you need to entertain it. With every tap, we can begin to release this voice a little. Under the nose, notice what it's like to observe the critical voice from a calm and centered place. Notice how being hard on yourself is an old pattern you've spent years practicing. With every tap, you begin to replace every critical voice with love and compassion for yourself. Under the mouth, but now you're willing to practice something else. You're beginning to question those thoughts. You begin to notice these thought patterns for what they are. They're simply thoughts. They're simply a pattern that you can entertain or you can let go of. And often these thoughts are there because we thought criticizing was the way to get what we wanted in life. Collarbone we can begin to see that it's through self-love and compassion that we actually change. 
it takes practice. And right now and right here, you are practicing feeling calm and confident. We can observe these thoughts from a calm and confident place. These thoughts are not in control. You are. Under the arm, it's through forgiveness of ourselves and others that we create the joy, abundance, and emotional freedom we want in our lives. Simply think about the confidence that self-love and calmness brings. How do you sit and how do you breathe when you are calm and can feel compassion for yourself? Just practice that for a moment now. And as you practice, notice that with every breath, you're feeling calmer. And those critical words may seem even a bit silly. Top of the head. As we realize this, we can thank our critical voice for all it tries to do for us. We can ask that voice to be one of self-love and compassion from here on out. Feeling the love and compassion. Feeling grounded and calm and confident. You don't need to know all the answers. You don't need to arrive anywhere in order to feel good now. That critical voice feels so uncomfortable. The eyebrow point. You can repeat after me. This critical voice feels so uncomfortable. Side of the eye. Because it's not my truth. Under the eye. The reason these beliefs have caused me stress. Under the nose is because they aren't true. Under the mouth, I recognize my critical voice. Collarbone, I accept my critical voice. Under the arm, it's safe to quiet my critical voice. Top of the head, as my body begins to relax, more and more, confidence and clarity feels easier. Eyebrow, no matter what thoughts I have, side of the eye, I come back to my body and feel present and feel my power. Under the eye, allowing myself to feel relaxed and grounded. Under the nose, before I make any decisions, under the mouth, I am more powerful than I think. Collarbone, I am further along than I realize. Under the arm, I have within me the confidence I need. Top of the head, I am a force for good. Let's just say that out loud together. Breathe in. I am a force for good. And just one more time. I am a force for good. And as you stop tapping, just take one more deep breath and notice how you feel. And notice the thought or breakthroughs that you may have had or other ideas that may have come up and rate the intensity now of how you feel on a scale of zero to 10. 
in those few minutes, we began to rewire our brains to quiet the critical voice. It surely will. Just bathe in the love and compassion and listen to that voice for yourself. And when you, when that critical voice comes back again, which it will, tell it, thank you for your opinion. I appreciate you, critical voice. I appreciate you, brain, for trying to keep me safe. But in this moment, I choose love. I choose to forgive and accept myself for just how I am. So the more that you do this process, the more it will be replaced by authentic feelings of love and compassion for yourself and for others. So I hope this practice was helpful to everyone. And just would like to everyone to just take a nice breath in and allow yourself to feel the good energy of love and compassion for yourself. Thank you, Diane. Yeah, thank you. One thing I love about tapping is it's exactly that. It's exactly the fact that we're saying, okay, I'm giving you your 15 seconds of what you have to say, but I'm in the driver's seat. The critical voice is doing its job and we tend to forget that. We tend to forget that it's it's there, it's doing its job to keep us safe. And then we can actually say to that voice, oh, okay, I, I, I hear you, thank you, but I'm in the driver's seat. So listeners, you're in the driver's seat. That is so important, Maria. I, I can't stress that what you just said is almost the essence of it. Then the brain, as we've come to understand, has a negative bias. And it's not to hurt us, but as you say, it's actually trying to protect us. It's trying to keep us safe for all kinds of, as I said, primitive early caveman reasons. The point is that as modern human beings, as modern women, we also have the capacity to remove ourselves, to take that one step back and see it as a critical voice, not as who we are. That is not who we are. We are not the, I'm not good enough. We're not that. And we need to be able to accept that voice and understand uh, One thing I, I do want to say is that when we start saying, you know, bad voice, you're bad, we actually create more tension. So it's very important that when those voices come up, you do accept it. You know, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for contributing and trying to keep me safe. And that's important because you want your brain to come along as an ally, right? So we're actually treating our brain with respect. You know, thank you. I, I, you know, thank you for contributing. And, and I'm choosing a different path and come along with me. You know, I'm not going to throw you out the window. We don't want to get rid of our brains or our thinking. We want to embrace it so that we take it along, but we're wise enough and discerning enough to understand there's a deeper voice, you know, one of love and compassion and self-love, you know, that's going to drive us to much greater happiness than when we start listening to the negative negative voices that come up exactly. and they will come up again you know of we course. know they're doing their job they're they're just there to do their job and that that's that's one of the things that i really love about tapping it's really that that piece that is 
that we need to understand and that we need to move with, really. And it's not just a critical voice. Huh? Pain, too, has a very important you know, way of guiding us back to where we're supposed to be. And we're going and, and we're gonna go into this. I love you as a human being and as a light since since you put in that eccentrics group, hey, looking for study buddies <laughs> who's interested. And you have this sense of bringing people together and really making it so they find that inner light and they tap into those those talents that we all have that are all very unique and to navigate everything else all the noise that comes in and I have a feeling that it's because you've had to navigate this like when we're talking about anxiety you and I so for the listeners Diane and I met because we're both eccentric instructors and we were both level two eccentric instructors in 2020, and we wanted to move to the level three. There's four levels in the uh, in the in the certification. And Diane came into a group. We have a Facebook group, and she said, "I'm looking for study buddies who's interested." And basically, six of us or well, five of us showed up showed up together, and then we had Marlene that joined afterwards. Not so not so long after, and we start to study. So the goal of that space was for women from all background walks of life yeah (laughs) and and you know like two of us were in Montreal two in Toronto and two in New York area New York state and we came together in in this space wanted to be you know study buddies and it became a woman ship it became a friendship that stemmed from from women coming together and supporting each other and and loving each other for who we really are in the thick and the thin. And we started this journey and then we finished the level three and then we went into the level four. So this journey it took us two years and a half, something like that. We still yeah. drop each other a lot of messages in our in our in our chat, but like every week or every two weeks, we were meeting and we went through so many things, so much more beyond studying for levels of eccentrics. And I remember when I came into the group, you and I have very big personalities. We have very strong personalities. And it was interesting because I think, well, on my part, you you tell me if you if you felt this, but on my part, you were a mirror to a lot of the things that I wanted to course correct in the way that I was engaging with others. And my critical voice is actually, I had to really talk to it. And I come from a lot of anxiety. And I think that you have that too, coming from anxiety. And I want to know how, because I came through movement because of the fact that it was helping me move that energy out of my body. Everything that was in my, we're two logical people, we're very much into our head and movement in itself. Since I'm a little girl, I was using movement to actually go and move that kind of stuck energy outside of my body. And you have, you made a career out of dance. I'm going to, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to read your bio, but I want people to 
to know you and to love you before. And I want, I, I want you to speak to that. I want to, how did, how did movement come like in general come into your life? Yeah. I mean, ever since I was a baby, I knew, I just always said I was going to be a dancer. Actually, at one point I, in my mind as like a little girl, I remembered this, I had like four squares and it was a dancer a teacher, or no, it was three squares, a, a dancer, a teacher, and I saw a third as a nurse. Now, what, and that was like, as a little child, what I thought I was going to do, I already knew that I had these like different pathways, but I saw it as one thing. The nurse turns out to be the healer. And that took me becoming a mature woman to see that because I feel like I was blessed with the challenge of injury and the challenge of pain to understand that latter, the latter part of my life has become about healing. So the first part of my life, just to really answer your question, was all about dance. And I have been a professional dancer. I've been a professional choreographer. I had my own dance company that toured all over the Eastern coast of the United States. And then I had a child and I started an organization, a nonprofit organization that served young people through dance so that they, they couldn't afford a dance class. They could come to Dance Wave and take classes. And that organization grew. But the whole time movement was always my expression. I always just navigated, magnetized towards movement. And I've always danced. I've always danced on my own terms and I've always moved. And as I got older and my body changed and when I finally stepped off my role as the executive artistic director of Dance Wave and I realized I was gonna really retire, movement became more important. And it was kind of towards the end of my time at Dance Wave that I started to do eccentrics. I I really, it took my heart away. And, and that's, you know, kind of the journey into meeting you and all of our eccentric teacher friends. Yeah. Yes. And, and so this is a, an important piece because you brought movement to a whole part of the society that was under underage kids, basically, that, that what, what I understand is you were bringing this for them to create and allow to embody their own emotion in in motion basically and to allow them to really use you know sometimes the darkness and whatever is happening around us to create something that is bigger to connect with something bigger when when no matter what your circumstance no matter how difficult, no matter how poor, no matter how much of a crisis there might be in your life, in your country, in your city, no matter how you might be under emotional stress in a very difficult family situation, movement is an incredible release. And you know, moving your body in space is therapeutic and expressive. And for children, particularly who may have been muzzled or who don't know their voice or have been, you know, not able to express their voice, movement becomes this incredible outlet to freedom, an outlet to express themselves through their body. That is such a beautiful opportunity for all of us who have human bodies, you know, which means everybody. 
everybody can move. And I think that I found that out at a really young age. And I just found, because I too, as a child was very, believe it or not, I was, <laughs> I was very shy. I was like very insecure. I lacked so much confidence, but I loved to dance. And I think that it was my medium, you know, for just so long and continues to be. Dr. Kenny McGonagall wrote a book called The Joy of Movement. And I came through movement be because I was listening to my body and I know like how it actually helps me immensely since I'm a child. And what she did was like, she has a scientist mind. So she was speaking like from her brain to my brain. And there are just like you were talking about the critical voice that has his, his job. Well, there's built in mechanism linked to movement to enhance connection to others, sense of spaciousness and purpose to help us move through changes and to heal and to connect with our joy. And I'm I'm telling you, when she, when I was re reading that book, I was like, she put in writing all the signs that I have accumulated, like bits and pieces here and there in one book. And you probably will see all the testimonials that you've had through the years with all these kids. There's science behind movement. We're built, driven by movement. So let's move, <laughs> right? Yeah. As opposed to sitting in front of our computers all day, right? Yes, which is, yes. you know, where society is going. But, you know, I also, in addition to teaching eccentrics, I've also started to teach creative movement for seniors, right? So these are people who actually, many of them couldn't even be in an exercise class. They're not, their bodies are not able to do that. They can move though any way they want. And I've learned a lot by teaching them that when the body moves in expressive, creative, new ways, there is a sense of freedom that happens inside of you. And that freedom is empowering. The act of moving is an act of empowerment. Absolutely. And we know just from science that movement actually also lowers the stress level, yes. right? So it's not the brain that we're necessarily that we're talking to, although the brain is obviously affected, but all of the stress and tightness that we get when we have anxiety or fear or anger, when you get to move, a lot of that gets released. And if you're moving and with the scene, these particular seniors, if you're moving in creative ways, that is like no one telling you, you have to move this way. You have to look this way. You have to do it perfectly, but it's the way you feel like moving and you have the permission to do it. You gain an incredible sense of power and freedom and joy. And uh, joy. Yes. Yes. And it, it must create a lot of a sense of agency with, with people that, like you were saying, that were, you know, sometimes they're lost in, in mobility and stuff. And they think that they need to move a certain way to tap into that, but they don't have to. They just have to move in the way that, oh, I love this, move in the way that they are called to do, that their body feels like doing, that they want to do, and and to allow and to give permission to, you know, oh, yes, it creates a, a wonderful because, freedom. You know, one of the things that I've done is I've had to help, I've, ha I've tapped, I tap with them. And we talk about, you know, because when you're older, you feel invisible. When you're older, you feel like you 
you're no one wants to hear your voice. When you're older, you feel like you're not heard, that you're not important. And the first thing that I try to do with them is to talk about empowerment, that who they are makes a difference in the world and that it's okay any way they want to move. Like it's great that they're moving and that's so cool that they still can it to give themselves permission to move any way they want. And I think that's just important for all of us is to understand that movement. Look, we love eccentrics and we know how incredible it is in healing, but it may not be for everybody, or maybe they can't do it, but that doesn't mean they can't move. And I just, you know, invite everyone to explore movement on their terms, you know, because there is freedom there. There is joy there. And there's like liberation of who they are, giving themselves that permission. And it just feels really good. It's a, it's just as good as tapping. <laughs> yeah. or, well, or, it's different yeah. paths, you know, that you can, you, that you can navigate. Now, you and I have had, speaking of paths and speaking, now we've been moving with movement our entire life. And then suddenly movement is not the gateway that we can let energy flow out. And we have circumstances that are bring us. I actually had a car accident several years ago, the same four months after my mom passed away, four months in a day, actually. And it it took away my ability to move, literally. And I developed chronic pain and I went into a depression. And I had to find other ways to move without so much moving my body or moving my body in a different way. Now, when we were together studying, I know that, you know, with the time you've been diagnosed with the osteoporosis, but you also have, you, you were having a lot of hip pain and I, we were going through level four studies and it was becoming increasingly, it was taking a lot difficult. of your life. Yeah, yeah. 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 Difficult. And, and I want you to speak to, to that a little bit and what came up what emotion came up with that? Like the, the were you afraid? Uh, were you doubting? Like what, what process did you go through when you see the body that you've been, you know, having this incredible movement relationship with your, your entire life? What came, I know that for me, I, 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 I actually really was angry and, and it was a treason for me. But I think that from one to another, it might be something different. And I would really want you to to speak about that, how you how you felt when you saw your body change in that way. Yeah, um, thank you for bringing that up, Maria, because I think that I've always proud my, pride myself on having like a really fit body and was really in shape. And here I was like, you know, an older woman and still felt that way, you know, thank you, eccentrics. But I... When the, when I realized that I had this pain, and then I realized that I had to have a hip replacement surgery, life changed immediately. I you know really started to crash in because all of my images of myself had to change. You know, after I had the surgery where you know the hip was replaced, it took me a long time to heal, and I got very freaked out. I was frustrated, I was angry, and I was depressed because I felt that. I would maybe never get my body back again. Maybe I would never be able to move the way that I used to move. And I got pretty scared that the whole thing was beginning 
to collapse, you know, and it's so easy to go there. And I, I really want to speak to that because I think that a lot of us, when we have pain, as we get older, start to feel these like very strong negative thoughts. And what I can look at now on the other side of this healing journey was that I actually am grateful for this challenge, this opportunity to be a researcher, you know, researching in what does it take for me to heal? What does healing in a holistic sense, what does that mean for me? And I want to say to everyone that healing, no matter what your pain is going to be individual because we are individuals. We have different likes and dislikes and different modalities that we might need to magnetize towards. But I discovered through this process that, you know, as much as Eccentrics was helping me, and it does help, it did such a, an incredible job in beginning to stretch the fascia, beginning to release tight skin all, all around the surgery, all around the incision where my hip was replaced, that whole area, the fascia had just really tightened. And then I had a series of falls and I had you know, stuff happening in my shoulder. I had a pinched nerve. I had shoulder impingement, you know, you name it. And the fascia was just tightening and tightening. And doing the movement helped release the tight fascia. And that was really important. But I realized that there was other components that were missing, that I still had those negative thoughts, that I still had a lot of critical thinking and, you know, was still feeling, you know, depressed that I just wasn't going to be able to get back to where I was. And that's when I began to see that a lot of what goes on in healing has to do with your brain. And if your brain isn't on board with your body, then you're not going to really fully heal. Like maybe your body will get better, but you still have those negative thoughts, which let's face it, they take a toll on your body and they ultimately affect the healing process. So, you know, I've come to understand that it's really bringing the whole team in, that is to say your brain, your body, and shall I say your spirit or your soul. And it's a kind of a beautiful harmony that I felt that I needed to achieve in order to heal. I couldn't go in just one direction and leave out my brain and leave out my heart and my soul. I needed to find a way to bring it together. And so that was an interesting challenge, which was something I, I like was facing every day that I got up and I started to you know, create rituals for myself, like doing eccentrics every morning and in the afternoon. Like I could only do it for short periods of time, like 20 minutes or 10 minutes, and then always doing tapping. And then I started to talk to my pain because it just, the pain wasn't going away, particularly in my shoulder. And I started to talk to my pain the way we were talking about negative critical thoughts, like, thank you, pain. I had to thank the pain and realize that the pain also was there trying to protect me and keep me safe. And the pain was also telling me that I needed to be careful and I needed to be gentle and I needed to be loving with those parts of my body that were hurting. And when I started to talk to the pain, I I actually started to feel like I had a relationship with it. Like, you know, a sort of thank you, pain. I know you're, you're, you're wanting the best for me. And actually, I'm open to letting you go. I think you've done your job. And let's work to finding ways to release you 
to free you from my body. And I would start to imagine what does it feel like to have not pain? Can you, like in your brain, actually imagine what that body free of pain feels like? And I was playing with a lot of different concepts with my brain because I realized that I have a very strong negative bias, you know, <laughs> and that that was that was really keeping the pain in place. Do you think that it it has an influence from from the fact that you use your body professionally and when we're tending to to this re-envisioning of of what the future is going to look like and and being open and and willing to open the door and see like where what the the message is here but when you've gone through so much time where you've kind of said this is my my body is my tool and i have to work you know you're leaning for your brain and the body has to follow how much of that do you think kind of like was from from the fact that you were a professional dancer that that you probably went to a lot of lengths to you know like whip that body into shape to you know go ahead and I mean I the show I, must go on Yeah no I agree with you I think that was a big driving influence but you know I'm grateful for that I do think though that there is a tendency let's say among people who maybe are non-movers or people who are more sedentary when they get the pain there's an acceptance of it where it's like, you know, oh, this is my life, you know, mm. oh, my back is always going to hurt me up. Oh, you know, I just like, I can't do those things. And I think there's a, a disparity between me. Yeah. Sort of very, very hyper-focused on getting my body back. And, you know, it, that was also finding and researching exercises that would really release the tightness and just doing as much as I could a lot of the time. And someone who is very, very deeply accepting of the pain and seeing it as their fate in life, right? And I do say that even with those people, they can still release a lot of their pain if they begin a journey and even introduce the concept to themselves that maybe the pain could go away. Because I think that a lot of people believe that it won't. And when you believe the pain will never go away, you've just closed the door. Yes. And I would say that we live in a medical world that supports that, that is so reliant on surgeries and pills. And there's not enough of ex expansion of the, the modalities that, that could be supportive of our healing process and I always feel like for women particularly where we've been conditioned since we're very little that you know like the pain of the menstruation for example well that's that's the, just the way it is you have to go through it and we've been conditioning to accept a level of pain that never had to be accepted at all And I think that we really need to talk to talk about this because we lose faith in the fact that our lives could could look different because we've been, we've been told that, you know, well, that's the way it is. Yeah. And look, the pain is a gift because it is trying to let you know, hey, this needs attention. So we have to thank it. We have to be grateful for it. And I'm not saying that it has to be pushed out of our lives, but you can work with mm -hmm. it. And we have the power 
we have the means. And in the in the process of working with your pain, you're going to discover some really good things about yourself. And I think that's the clue. I think that's the, that's the tack that I want to advocate for is that pain is not a permanent state. Pain is a message, an important message that we need to listen to and be grateful for. And that pain is the beginning of opening a door into discovery of your journey of how can I heal? How can I be kinder to myself? You know, I believe that my whole thing started way back when I was still working at Dance Wave. I was getting hip pain then. And that pain, I realized, was telling me, you're working too hard. And it took me a really, like, stupidly long time to understand that sitting at my desk as an administrator for so many years, my hip said, you know, this is not okay with me, Diane, you know? And so... I do, I'm grateful that that pain came along because it really was showing me that sitting there for hours upon end, and I was just, you know, an, a very overworked administrator working 24 seven, so much of the time, it, it gave me a gift, which was a realization that I had been working way too hard. And I think that it opened up the door to a journey, which was is still going on. I mean, I think that our bodies are always changing and new pains come. And I think what I I think we want to do is to start having a relationship with our being, our brain, you know, our heart, you know, our soul and our bodies mm -hmm. and listening and being responsive and your body is different every day. Your brain is different every day. So it's an ongoing practice, but it's one that will yield self-love. It is one that will yield a, a care and compassion for yourself because you're listening and communicating with these different pain or different feelings that keep coming up and you're in a dynamic with them. And by having that dynamic, those conversations, those tappings, those movement sessions, those eccentric classes, you're, you're working the field. You're working that relationship that keeps, and that keeps you energized and whole, that keeps you as a human being in touch with all these different aspects of ourselves, right? And to acknowledge that we have different aspects of ourselves. You know, the brain is not doing what the body does and the body is not necessarily doing what the brain does. And we need to be sensitive and, and, and be able to speak and, and hear all those different voices. I love this. I am so in agreement with this, the relationship with our body and your mind and your heart and the interconnectedness of everything is, is such a gift. And when we start to move through that and to understand and to have conversations and deeper relationship within it changes the way that we are in life and what happens afterwards it changes the way that we are with others yes yes right because when you have compassion for yourself and love for yourself and that it's okay that you are who you are exactly right now then you can have compassion and love for other people. It just becomes easier, you know, because mm. you can see that within them and love them for it, you know? And that doesn't mean that you love everybody, but it does mean that you have an open heart to the world. Absolutely. Diane, thank you so much 
so, so much for your generosity, for your soul, for your light, for those hair that are so pink that make my heart and <laughs> and 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 eyes sing because I love, love, love the way that that color looks on you. I love you. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to doing more of this in other spaces with you. Thank you so much, Marie-Ève, and thanks for opening the space to have this conversation. It's meaningful to me, and I hope it's been meaningful to all your viewers. Thank you for being part of today's Re-Envision episode. As the seasons of life shift, I invite you to always connect with the truth that you hold the power to navigate your own path with courage and wisdom. Embracing change with an open heart is central, for within lies the potential for a remarkable world and evolution. If you know someone who would benefit from this conversation, I'd be honored, truly honored, if you shared it with them and spread the love. If this podcast has resonated with you, please subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a heartfelt review, and share it in your network. You can stay connected with me on social media at ME Lifestyle Design, where I continue to share insights and inspiration. Until our next encounter, remember to re-envision your life with love, alignment, and purpose. Keep cultivating your curiosity, finding joy, magic, and freedom as often as you can. Now, today, and tomorrow. I love you. I see you. I feel you.